Out of the Pen Podcast. What's up and welcome to the Out of the Pen podcast here on MTMV Sports. Uh, hey, sports fans rejoice. It's my team, my voice. Follow MTMV Sports on Twitter at MTMV Sports and find us on pretty much anywhere that you can listen to podcasts, whether it's iTunes, Google Play, even now on Spotify, or for all of our Android users, download the Podcast Republic app. That allows you to get your favorite podcast on any Android device, uh, set MTMV Sports as a favorite, and get every new episode of the Out of the Pen podcast delivered right to your device when it comes out. Uh, I am Eric Boston, and with me is Andy Ziga. What's up, man? Not much. How's it going, man? Man, you know, we're good. We're good. You know, it's been uh, a couple weeks. We're, we're on this every other week now, uh, so I'm, I'm glad to be back in here and talking about what's happened over the past uh you know two weeks or so yeah i'm ready to go some pretty exciting stuff to look at so definitely definitely and and before we get uh get rolling here andy uh let's go ahead and let's tell the people you know where they can follow us and so that they can interact with us you know in between shows how about that where where can they follow you um i'm on twitter um and my uh name is at Ziga, Z-S-I-G-A, underscore Andy. All right. And you can find me at Eric Boston 3. That is at Eric Boston in the number 3. And you can also find us on outofthepinbaseball.com, uh, where we got a lot of great content, guys. We have um, you know articles. we got the podcasts that come out. You can you know find ways to connect with us on there. Uh, and one thing that's pretty cool is we actually have started – um, adding some new affiliates, Andy. Uh, I'm pretty excited about that. You know, we have um, the Bronx Bombers Beat Podcast. Yeah. A Yankees <laughs> Podcast that's an affiliate with us. And we got a new podcast that's coming in December uh, called the I-70 Podcast. That's going to be focusing on Kansas City Royals and St. Louis Cardinals baseball. So we're pretty excited about that. Uh, and a few other people uh, that we're talking to currently. So there's just a lot of cool stuff happening over at the website. There sure is, and uh, there's been a lot of activity with a few a few new articles getting going, and exciting Definitely. times. And I'm sure we'll touch on on uh, at least one of those here as we are discussing uh, today. Um, let's let, let's just start off, Andy. Let's let's hit on some of the off season news that has taken place uh, since the last podcast. And you know, on on that last podcast, we were talking about. Uh, the Red Sox kind of wrapping up the World Series, and David Price had chosen to pick his up his uh, player option to stay in Boston for the 2019 season. So we kind of were talking about how Clayton Kershaw was really going to kind of set the pace for the pitching market uh, this winter. About a day after we recorded the podcast, though, Kershaw went and signed a three-year extension with the Dodgers. He's going to be staying in L.A., uh, for the next three years, to the tune of $93 million. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm sure that's just terrible for him. <laughs> it sure is, huh? Uh, it's really interesting to to look at. Uh, it's not too surprising that he picked that up, added an extra year. 
basically similar to his option. He had two more years, I believe, um, at 60. Yeah. And as you take a look, this is a good deal for him. It allows him to reestablish himself even more. He wants to, I think he somewhat wants to prove that he's not washed up. Yeah, and people were quick to jump on that bandwagon, um, but anyway. yeah, well, and and you know the the Dodgers they're a team that you know back to back World Series appearances. Um, so when people were talking about Kershaw possibly leaving, I mean, where was he going to go? That they were really in a in a contend right now position. You know, I mean, Dodgers they're just one of those teams that you you feel like for sure next year and. Possibly, you know, for a few years out, they're going to be in that uh, championship hunt. The Dodgers are really hungry. They have put a lot of resources to winning a championship. They have tried a lot of new ways to get talent. And they have a talented office. And it is a place to be for a little while. Uh, It will be interesting to see if they can get over over that hump. Yeah, and uh, make it make it win the World Series. So, yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, uh, extended manager Dave Roberts. So, I mean, mm-hmm. I think he's been doing some good things there with Dodgers. So, I, th- I think you're right. They're you know they're a team that's worth you know paying attention to. Definitely. Uh, when we flip over to the American League, another pitcher who signed a new deal was CC Sabathia. Um, he signs a one year, eight million dollar deal with the, to stay with the Yankees for 2019. Um, any thoughts on that signing? Well, I think I think it's him staying where he's at, not having to move. I also think it's he's no longer the upper end pitcher that he once was, but he's definitely worthwhile and it's a good move. Um that's not if if it doesn't work out well, the Yankees can uh, aren't losing out too much on the money there. I think that's a very good deal for them. I think uh, he's probably where he wants to be with his family. Just like with Kershaw, he, there was definitely a lot of motivation for Kershaw to stay in L.A. There's probably quite a bit of motivation for Sabathia to stay in New York. So. Yeah, I mean, Sabathia, he had a, a bit of a bounce-back year um, in 2018. Um Going nine and seven, a three point six five ERA. Uh, he did accumulate two point three WAR. Uh, so, you know, twenty nine starts for him, one hundred fifty three innings pitched. So, I mean, for that eight million dollar price range, a guy that can be a mid to back end piece in your rotation, uh, especially for a team that's got deep pockets like the Yankees, yeah, it's not a bad pickup at all. Uh, for them to just keep a hold of Sabathia, because I think you know we talked about it on the last podcast um, that when we had that interview with Nate, right from Bronx Bombers, being yeah. uh, that you know their their offense is stacked, but they're going to need to you know deepen up that pitching staff, and this is you know the first of what assuming uh, what we're assuming is going to be multiple steps to that. The cheap, well, cheap relatively. Uh, mid to back end starter. I mean, he'd be starting for the Rangers, or he'd be the number one for the Rangers <laughs> right now. So, um, and for and you, for, least... for those of you who don't know, Andy's a big Rangers fan. So, you know, I think he was hoping that they would get both Kershaw and Sabathia, maybe even like <laughs> maybe just a pitcher, just a pitcher. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So, <laughs> and then and then let's let's talk about um, 
you know, the biggest name that is out on the market. Um, you know, he hasn't signed, obviously, but man, there's been a lot of news over the last couple of weeks just with Bryce Harper, right? Mm. I mean, everyone knows that it's Harper and Machado this offseason, right? Um, so here, here, let's just let's just run through a few of the different things that happened, Andy, and then I want to get your thought of what it all means as a whole, okay? Yeah. So first of all, uh, it came out that the Nationals made an aggressive offer on uh, on the day of their last home game of the season, and reportedly they offered him ten years, three hundred million dollars, which he turned down. And a lot of people are saying that he's looking for at least three fifty, right? Um, yeah. So that's that's the first thing. And then, you know, for several seasons, uh, it was just assumed that he was going to be a part of the plans for the Yankees this offseason. And I think that whenever they added Stanton last year, um, you had a lot of people thinking, okay, well, maybe, you know, Harper's not really what they need, right? They need pitching. So I think, you know, a, a lot of, Thought was maybe they're maybe they're moving past that. They're looking in other areas. Well, then it comes out that the Yankees actually reached out to Washington to talk about Bryce Harper, and their main in you know question was you know could he transition to first base? So they they don't need him in the outfield, but possibly could be a first base option for the Yankees. I mean, I think it's pretty clear that the Yankees have been trying to upgrade that first base position. So that's an interesting move. And then we look at Philadelphia. I mean, Harper's just been busy is what it comes down to because uh, a lot of people now believe, you know, all of a sudden believe, hey, Phillies might be the front runner for him. Look, he started following uh, Joel Embiid, and I can't remember, the, but you know, a couple other um, sports uh, figures there in Philadelphia. They, he started following them on Twitter. And then basically, like the next day, he's in Chicago, going to a Bulls game at the United Center, and the White Sox set up a, a pitch for him. That you know they they've got his name up in the United Center, uh, tied in with the with the White Sox. And Interesting. Then, and then this was the biggest one to me, Andy. Um, out of all the different teams that we've heard attached to him. We'd never heard about the Astros being a team that could be looking to try to get Harper. But then it was made known that at the trade deadline this year, the Astros actually had a trade on the table for Bryce Harper to try to add him to that you know, lineup that had won a World Series the year before. Um, so I found that very – to me it's like, okay, I thought that maybe a select hand few, few teams – uh, would be in the mix this winter for him. That those teams that with those deep pockets that could, you know, pay that huge salary he's looking for. But I don't know something about the White Sox and the Astros. You know, being in on trying to get Harper services has me thinking. Okay, could almost any team be in? I mean, how how big does this net spread? You know, that is going to be trying to get him. Um, what do you think all that means? I mean, you can pick any any part of that, Andy, or if you just want to talk about it as a whole. Just what, what do you what do you think that you're seeing when it comes to Bryce Harper and maybe what we could expect to see in the next you know few weeks? Well, first off, I I think it is interesting that he turned down ten years, three hundred. He was definitely looking for more than that, and 
at one point, people were even saying something even more ridiculous than that. Right. There's a lot of things that could go into it. He may not want to be with the Nationals anymore. This wasn't the the most amazing season. I mean, it seems like it seems like money is the primary factor here. But I think you know, I'm kind of with you on that. I'm, I'm wondering if he thought, man, I'm not. You know, if winning hat, you know, does play into it at all. Did he think I'm not going to win in Washington? I think there's a possibility. Maybe he thinks that he can win there, but that he doesn't necessarily want to lock in for ten years there. I I could see him not do ten years. I, I know that with the way contracts go, you get the most money that's guaranteed, and it would make sense for him to do ten years and be locked in, but. It also wouldn't be too bad for him to go four or five years and at the age 29, 30, 31 season, then try to lock in a little bit more. He'd have to kind of gamble on himself a little bit, but he he already has the money. And so I, I also, I don't know, I, I feel like Bryce Harper is the kind of guy that wants to be the best and wants to be known as the best. Um, this... This off or this last year wasn't necessarily his greatest year, uh, and his batting average was low, but he still hit pretty well on uh, hit how many home runs? Uh, Thirty four home runs. Uh, interesting thing when you talk about the Yankees wanting to move him to first base. Analytically, his defense, and I haven't looked too far into it, but his defense this last year was really poor. Uh, It was at a negative 3.2 D war on that. And so it it really hurt him. He he had been injured some, and they kind of experimented in different places with him. And I don't know, but but that's still – like I could see why they'd want to move him to first base because that's a a lot to lose from somebody. Right, yeah. Yeah, like you said, 34 home runs, 100 RBIs. Uh, So the power production was there. Like you said, the, the batting average dipped down to 249. His career average is 279. So that may be a bit of a concern. But honestly, in today's game, is it even that much of a concern? I mean, where, where does batting average – I mean, you're, you're the numbers guy, Andy. Uh, where, 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 is, where do you feel like batting average uh, really sits as but far as – Batting uh, average doesn't rank too high. But he did have a good portion of the season where he just wasn't getting on base like he used to. And towards the last month or two, it started to pick up. He his batting average, I know, um, and this is without looking it up. I just uh, it was it was around two twenty in uh, July, and his on base percentage was much lower than usual at that point. Yeah, and he picked it back up and got pretty well close to. Uh, his career average on non-base percentage. And he had a nice OPS of uh, 8.89. And honestly, his numbers uh, hitting-wise aren't bad, but uh, the the defense, and without looking into that further, I, I can't you know, I yeah. can't say too much, but I could see why the Yankees would want to move him, especially with the kind of outfield they have. And then they have the move, if they need to, they can always move him back and – True, and uh, well, and then you also have the you know you always have the DH option in the American League as well. I mean, if you yeah, you know, if you're thinking super long term, you know, kind of like you know what 
what uh, Pujols was thinking about whenever he left St. Louis to go to the Angels. You know, he was thinking, hey, I can play first base for a little while still, but if I, if I can extend that career with the DH. Um, I mean, I, and, and Harper is super young to be talking about that already, but, I mean, is it possible that he's looking for more than 10 years on a deal? It, I would not be surprised at all. Uh, I do – I do not know. I, I mean, I have no clue. I don't know much about who he's talking to, what he's wanting to do. I, from the past, from what I've heard of him, and what I understand, he is going to want a good deal. Yeah. And well, a record-setting deal. A record-setting deal is what what has been reported. It may or may not be true. I do. I I don't see any reason he won't get one. I I do see. Uh, that there was a point in this in this year where it was questionable on if it was a good idea or not, and yeah. he he picked it back up. I do think that there there were some things going into that, and I I do think that he uh, came back to looking really well. I I am really interested by the Astros. I just don't really know what they offered. I it it, it would be. Feasible that they would be going after a big a big free agent at this point. They have turned around a lot of different things. They have they they've made the postseason. They've made the World Series or what won it, and now they should have more revenue than they had in the past. And yeah. now would be the time you you spend for your core and whatever you think is the best move. Obviously, they were looking at a trade for last year to make that extra jump. I don't know if it would have pushed them over or not. But right. Cool. So those, that, that's kind of what's going on free agency-wise. Another thing that's been happening uh, over the last couple of weeks um, is we've started to get into awards season, right? Um, and, and there's a particular award that's been handed out that I want to just kind of hit on for a second there, Andy, and that's the Rookie of the Year Awards. We'll start with the National League because there's not as much controversy there, right? Yeah. Um, Ronald Asuna from the Braves, he go he gets the um, Rookie of the Year award in the NL. And, I mean, honestly, were we really surprised? I mean, there were some good performances. You could talk about um, Kershaw's teammate, Walker Buehler, for the Dodgers. You know, there, there were some, you know, some good performances. But Juan Soto did a good Juan job. Juan Soto, yeah, Harper's teammate there in Washington. Um I mean, those were probably the top two guys that could challenge for this award. But um, Asuna just really – I mean, he, he was pretty amazing, and he's 20 years old. Yeah, he he had a really good year this year, and uh, he looks to be setting the Braves up well for years to come at that corner position out in the outfield. So. Yeah, and I mean, he set uh, a Braves record for leadoff home runs in a season. I mean – uh, played solid defense. Kids got a cannon for an arm. So yeah, I mean, pretty pretty easy to see why he took that. I mean, he came up before Soto as well, uh, so that plays into it a little bit, I think. But then whenever we look at the American League, so Otani from the Angels took that uh, American League Rookie of the Year award. Um, a lot of people, though, especially Yankees fans, obviously feel like Miguel Andahar their third baseman was a little bit robbed. Um, you know, you've kind of seen my thoughts on it, and we'll get into that in a second. I want, I want to hear what you think about that American League Rookie of the Year voting. 
Well, first off, it it was Otani's to lose, it seemed, to begin with. And I can see why people would, would maybe get upset with that. But Otani came in, he had a major injury, and he still played because he had that flexibility where he pitched and he was a DH. And he continued to come out. And, and of course, he he was out there for a little while, but he also performed. Like, he hit well. And I, you mentioned in your article uh, that if you extend and you look at the amount of uh, at-bats that Otani had and you compare it to Andujar, he actually would, would have uh, done much better. And he really isn't that far off considering how many less at-bats he had. And yeah, then when so, you throw in his pitching, and he actually pitched pretty well, I could... I, I don't know. I don't I don't see any reason to be upset with it. Right, right. And I'm and I'm with you. Um I mean I here's the thing. I'm not trying to take away from Andahar's season at all. I mean, the kid had an amazing year, right? I mean let's just talk about his numbers for a second. He had five hundred and seventy three at bats, he slashed two ninety seven, um, three twenty eight and five twenty seven. He had twenty seven home runs, a lot of sevens in there. Um and he had ninety two RBIs, forty seven doubles to lead the Yankees. Uh, I mean, he really kind of set the pace for that Yankees team all year long. So, I mean, you know, I'm not trying to take away from his season in the least because he had an amazing year. But when it was good, and it was really good. Yeah, and when we're talking about Otani, though, um, I mean, the fact that he was hitting and pitching, it, as long as he didn't bomb, it was going to be tough to have a better year than him because. You know, Andahar doesn't have the pitching numbers. Uh, you can say he didn't that Otani didn't you know pitch a lot. I mean, yeah. he had he had what ten starts, um, but you know his pitching was still solid. He had uh, what a three thirty one ERA going four and two, um, struck out sixty three batters, walking twenty two and fifty one point two innings pitched. Um, so I mean that right there is, is pretty you know pretty solid. Pretty yeah. solid. Um, but then, like I said, you know, the injury with the elbow kind of kept him out for a minute. He came back and strictly hit. And here's the thing about it, Andy, is that whenever he came back, he actually got better as a hitter. He was hitting the ball Not hard. Um, so when we look at his, you know, the, the actual numbers he put up, I mean, he batted 285. Uh, he had 22 home runs, 61 RBIs, and 21 doubles. And that was in. 326 at bats. So, I mean, not a little over half the amount of at bats that um, Andahar had. And he was only, what, five home runs behind Andahar? Yeah. He was um, 30 RBIs behind. I, I think, I think something interesting to go along with this is he only played DH, so he didn't field, but. Andujar, um, his defense just really wasn't strong at third there. Uh, he his defensive war does not add up well. He and I don't know, like like that probably hurt him some. And I I think that we can't ignore his teammate uh, Gliber Torres as well yeah. in the season that he had. And there were points where he kind of where he kind of cratered, 
but yeah. he he really did have a good season as well. Well, and and that's what you know. I think another uh, point that I was kind of making was that hey, here's here's the thing about Andahar is that one, he's on a Yankees lineup where he's battling for spotlight with the names of Judge, Stanton, you know, some you know heavy hitters there, and then on top of that, he's still he's he's in a lineup with an elite prospect in Torres. I mean, Andahar was not you know a top rated prospect no, in baseball wasn't. like Torres was. Um, so you know, it, even that that kind of made it difficult as well, right? Because I mean, as good as it was. He wasn't going to steal that shine from those bigger names. No. And unfortunately, you know, that, as much as you want to think it doesn't, it does kind of affect whenever you look at these, this voting and that kind of stuff. Um, but one thing that Yankees fans need to just kind of take some solace in is that, man, if, if, this, if this is what, you know, his production is going to look like going forward, you know, you're talking about the Yankees being in the mix for world championships for the foreseeable future, where oh, Otani's yeah. on a team with uh, in with the Angels that we, we discussed before. Yeah, I mean they can't get into the playoffs. You have the best player in baseball, Mike Trout, on that roster, but is he going to be there? I mean, there's a lot of talk of man, the Angels they need to just try to get a haul for him, rebuild, try to be able to compete. And the Angels just need to get new new front office but um that that's sorry angels fans uh, but as far as as far as the yankees i'm i think i could speak for a fan of almost every team uh, that we're a little jealous i mean uh, two guys that pretty much top five rookie of the year yeah gonna be gonna be good for a while i, I mean arguably playing arguably Two of the top three, right? Yeah, playing playing premier positions. I I would not be surprised if over time Andahar has to switch a little bit. Uh, you know, you don't know what's going to happen yeah. and where that is, and it just depends on your personnel. But but those two guys, and that's not even they. I don't know. The Yankees weren't even necessarily counting on those positions they already had gary sanchez they already had all those other guys you mentioned right. it, it they're they're good and yeah, they're, they're their offense is loaded good. if they get if they get the pitching to match up with it they're going to be tough and they're going to make it difficult on boston uh to make a repeat run in 2019 that's it, for sure difficult on boston make it difficult on the astros I mean, I mean, those are the teams you're really looking at in yep. the American League. There's other good teams, but they seem to be a cream of the crop. Definitely. So another thing that's been happening uh, this offseason, you know, it happens every year, is you start getting guys that think about, do I want to play next year or not? And we've seen some big names um, either hang it up or they're rumored to be calling it a day, and it looks like that's where it's heading. Uh, I know this was – Something that you kind of brought up, um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna let you kind of run with this one, Andy. You know, kind of talk us through some of these guys that are, you know, now retired or maybe on the verge of being retired, and and we can kind of discuss them. Well, uh, a question I have as we take a look, uh, I, I want to start with some of the guys we know are retired here, but uh, are they Hall of Fame? Are they Hall of Fame worthy? That's a fair are question. They, are they first? Are they first ballot worthy? And uh, I, I'd like to start. Uh, here with Dustin Pedroia. Uh, Pedroia has 
decided to hang it up here from uh, everything that I've seen. Okay. And uh, what do you think? Without looking at the stats yet or anything like that, do you feel like Dustin Pedroia could sneak into the Hall of Fame at all? What 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 are your ideas on uh, Pedroia? Man, okay, so I won't look at the numbers. Um, so here's the thing. Personally, Pedroia is a guy that I, I don't like. <laughs> I never have. Um, but he was a part of the turnaround and the success that the Boston Red Sox have had, mm-hmm. you know, over the last 15 years. You know, he's played a part in those uh, world championships, getting back to winning in Boston. And, I mean, you know, he's played at an MVP level. Um, I think he will be, be a Hall of Fame player. I don't think it's going to be first ballot. Um, you know, it may take him a few tries before he gets in there, depending on who else he falls on the ballot with, obviously. Um, but I do think he will eventually end up in Cooperstown. You know, you're pl- talking about um, a position with second base uh, where he put up good offensive numbers. So, so a few a few little things. Thirteen years. Thirteen years. All with Boston. Uh, that's a big deal. But uh, as far as um, numbers, a lot of the counting stats that you look at aren't necessarily there because he wasn't a power hitter. It's interesting to see what's going to happen in the future with the Hall of Fame. Are they ever? Are they going to continue to push people back because of steroids? Are they going to finally open the floodgates and start letting more and more people from uh, really our high school era right. in? <laughs> or are they just going to keep putting random people in? And I'd say that, I mean, my favorite player ever, uh, Pudge Rodriguez, got in. But but are they going to keep keep holding it back? Or are they going to finally put what I would argue maybe some of the best players that have ever played in? Yeah. And it's hard it's hard to say what they should do with that. But does that, that hurts these other guys the more that they're on there. And um, as you take well, a look at Pedroia, his – his war for his entire career is 52. Usually 60 is about that magic number. War isn't necessarily the best way, but... And, and when you look at... I mean, you, you, you brought up those counting numbers, and when you look at some of them across the board, I mean, it, it's like like what you're saying with war, where it's close to that magic number. I feel like he was kind of close on a lot of stuff, so that's what makes it tougher. That's why if he gets in, it's going to take him a few shots, because whenever you look at, like you say, you know, he's not a... He wasn't a power hitter by any means, but that doesn't mean he couldn't uh, accumulate hits, right? I mean, he hit 300 for his career, mm-hmm. but you know, 1,803 hits total. I mean, I think a lot of people would probably like to see him get to that 2,000 number uh, yeah. with hits. Uh, when you're looking at home runs, he had 140 career home runs. So, I mean, 150 would have probably looked a little bit better there. Um, so, so I would vote close, but no. And, and I think I, you have a fair argument there too. I I can see why. Like my feeling, ten years ago would have been yes for sure. Right. So it it's one of those things. Well, now let me let me bring up a couple of other aspects of his career for you, and let's see if it changes anything there, Andy. One rookie of the year, mm-hmm. two time World Series champ, four time All Star, four time Gold Glove, a Silver Slugger winner. A Wilson's overall defensive player of the year, 
and an MVP award. Yeah. Does the accolades add to it any? I don't know. I I think it depends on who you're talking to. Not to me, <laughs> but but yeah. like I I understand. And the MVP award does make a huge difference. Yep. And it's it's hard to say overall. I could be way off. Um I I think he he's going to be He's going to be I think some similar might, to Jack I think, Morris. I think some people just, might be surprised with the um, with the f- only four All Star appearances. I mean, I think you know he had such a good run there for a while that um, I think you just kind of assumed that he must have had more appearances, in, especially in thirteen years. Injuries, yeah, injuries. Uh, yeah. So uh, let's take a look at another guy on my list here. Okay, uh, Joe Maurer. Joe Maurer. Has just uh, decided to retire here, and he uh, again. We're looking at a guy who's played pretty much all his career. Yeah, all his career with the with one team. Minnesota. It's kind of it's kind of crazy to think about uh, people. And he played for fifteen years. Yeah, yeah. So, but but it's kind of crazy to think about both these guys played with one team. Like that doesn't just happen a whole lot, right? And uh, maybe more in baseball than in some other sports at this point, but still, uh, he, he it's has, difficult though. It's it's definitely difficult. Yeah, he had he had a good career. Uh, uh, as I take a look and think about his career, he's he's probably similar uh, in some respects to Pedroia. I believe if Pedroia would be in, he'd probably be in. One difference though is uh, his position. There for a while, um, and before he got injured and had to go, had to switch to first base, to kind of DH. Um, when he, I mean, he was playing catcher, and he is hitting as yeah, good I mean, the, as anybody. Yeah, the, the bulk of his career, you know, behind the plate, and that's not traditionally a position where you're worried about what kind of offense you get out of it, right? I mean, as long yeah. as they they can be league average or whatever, you know, that's fine because you want them to do things behind the plate. You want them to call a, a solid game. You know to really run the show, and Maurer was great at that, right? He was oh man, you know, big body framed it well, uh, but he also had good offensive production. I mean, Duke could hit. I mean, you know, yeah. being, being a Royals fan, you know, he stroked against. Yeah, us. he did. Yeah, he did. And when in about uh, 2014, he kind of had to switch over, and the. He, you know, he had those injuries. He yeah. had different things going on, and but still, I think the fact that he was a catcher and he was hitting it puts him a step above Pedroia. I think he'll get in. I, th- I, I, I don't agree. think it'll be first ballot. Yeah, uh, but and I, I think and I agree in. with that. I I think uh, whenever you factor in the the catcher, um, there's few that's done it as well as he has from the offensive output. Um, you know, like you said, you know, real comparable to Pedroia. You know, three hundred six lifetime average, uh, one hundred and forty three home runs. So a few more home runs there. Uh, I think the big difference is he did get you know twenty one hundred and twenty three uh, hits. So he he broke that two thousand hit mark, and that's going to help him. Uh, if we look at his accolades real quick, um, he also had an MVP award. Yeah. Same as Pedroia, three Gold Gloves, um, five Silver Sluggers. Um, but when you talk about all-star appearances, he had six. And then he also had three batting titles. Yeah, and I think something else there is at times you could almost argue Pedro was 
about the best second baseman, but there was there wasn't as much question with uh, Maurer. Of course, there's Molina and there's a few others that are around there, but but Maurer was definitely there for a little bit in that top echelon of catcher. Well, easily the best one in the American League. Yeah, easily. Uh, like I mean, M- and, Molina. You know that. I, I think I'll, you could argue either way with Molina. Um, of course, uh, Cardinals fans around here would be furious that I would even <laughs> uh, mention that. Uh, but uh, Molina, a great, great, great catcher, and it's going to be hard to uh, surpass in some ways. Yeah. Uh, it's, it is interesting. When you look at some of Molina's stats, he may not, he may not make the Hall of Fame. If you actually look at him, I, I've seen it, and I know around I here, I around that, here, everybody's I, I, I like, think that's a discussion for another show. Yeah, yeah. is what that is. Cause, yeah, that cause is. That's, they, there's a lot to unpack there. Yeah, and it, I don't know. You'd have to really look at the numbers, though. And yeah, uh, that that that'll just make people mad. But because he is great, right? The, um, un, unbelievably great. Okay, so th- that was Maurer. Um, so we both say. Probably yeah. gonna make it. Yeah, not not first ballot. But not yes. first ballot. Uh, I also have here uh, Chase Utley, who so, as well played a majority of his career one place. Now he did end up moving around there a little bit at the end. Yeah, so you know, finish his year up uh, with uh, the Dodgers, or finish his career up. I'm sorry, um, but you know he, you know, made a run with them. You know, getting to back to back World Series, couldn't quite. Bring home a championship, but you know, still not a bad way to end your career to to get there. No, no, and he uh, he spent so many years with the with the Phillies. Uh, I know that man. He he invoked fear. I know that he was just consistent. Yeah. And as you take a look, uh, home run wise, he had two hundred fifty nine home runs. He had 154 stolen bases, over a thousand RBIs, and when you take a look at that hit plateau, he's right about the same as Pedroia, um, at 1885. When uh, you come down here and you take a look at his career WAR, he's at 65. As I said earlier, although WAR is not the best number to use when looking at this kind of stuff, yeah, kind of the number you look at is 60. Right. And uh, it's different positionally. And so. Although we can compare him to Pedroia because they're both second basemen. Yeah. Uh, and that's where I think, you know, he, you know, clearly had better power numbers. You know, he had more than 100 more home runs. Yeah. Than, than Pedroia. Uh, the interesting thing is, you know, Pedroia had that 300 lifetime batting average where Utley's at 275 and around the same number of hits. So that is interesting. Um, you know, I, I think whenever I'm looking at it, injury you know, wise, it was, is what happened there. Yeah, he I played. Mean, you know, d- does the fact that he didn't get to 2,000 hits, you know, does that hurt him? Uh, when we look at the accolades again, um, for Utley, it's six times All Star, four times Silver Slugger, and he did have that uh, 2008 World Championship with the Phillies, uh, and that was a Man, that was a good Phillies team. Man. Him and Ryan Howard and Jimmy Rollins. I mean, yeah. solid group, you know. Um, yeah, I mean, like, I don't know. I I think, you know, d- does Utley have a better chance of getting in than Pedroia? I think so. I definitely think so. And when you think of the fact that he has almost 
13 more war. Wait, yeah. let me look at that. Yeah, 13 more war than than Pedroia had. Uh, and you just look at everything else, they're kind of close in some areas. And uh, I think he just had a little bit more con- consistency. Yeah, I, I personally would be surprised if he did end up making the Hall of Fame. I Once again, I don't think he'll be first ballot. I think uh, he was definitely um, it, it, quietly at times one of the best second basemen around. Yeah. So. Well, here's the thing. You, you said no on Pedroia. I said yes eventually. Mm-hmm. Um, and part of that may have been I didn't want my bias playing into you. I didn't want to just say no because I don't yeah. like him. But you, you, you're starting to kind of convince me. However, I get you know if I'm if I'm gonna say yeah Pedroia eventually, then I definitely gotta say yes. Utley's going to be in there. Not first ballot, but he's going to be in there. Yeah. And I I didn't like some of the things Utley did, but if I was a fan of the Phillies, I would have loved him. I mean, he yeah. was just it, he was just hardcore, went all out. Uh, I didn't like a few years back when he cleared some people mm-hmm. or, and some of the things he did there. So one last guy, and – you know he's he's kind of close to what I followed is Adrian Beltre. He's re- maybe retiring. We don't know really yet. It goes back and forth. He says he really likes the Rangers. If he was going to stay, he'd probably stay with the Rangers. His agent kind of says, "Oh no, he'll he'll he could test the waters." Um, it, he's made some mention that his hamstrings just really aren't there anymore. Yeah. And that he might retire. I I personally feel like he's a Hall of Famer. Not first ballot, but I personally feel he's a Hall of Famer. Um, but we, really, we probably need to look into the numbers a little more there. Well, what do you feel? Well, so, I, you know, I really want to tell you just because I want to give you a hard time. I really want to tell you no, he's not a Hall of Famer. Yeah. Uh, but I don't even know if I can – like, I'd have to – I'd have to get kind of ridiculous here. Like, um, For his actions I mean, alone and how funny he is. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, okay. Let, let me let me just try to make a ridiculous reason why he shouldn't be. Um, let's see. Uh, he only had 38 triples in his career, man. 21 years, 38 tri- Come on, man. That's, that's not very good. Um, you know, 286 batting average. Why isn't that 380? Come on. 100 Hall of Famers, they should be able to hit 300. Uh, but, but no, I mean – yeah. yeah, no, he's he's a Hall of Famer. I'll I'll go further than you. I think of the guys that we've talked about, he's the most likely to be a first ballot guy. Well, he his he has ninety five WAR for his career. He played, a lot, play long, played a lot, played a lot longer. longer. Yeah, twenty one years. years. But I mean, you know, over thirty one hundred hits. You know, three thousand one hundred sixty six hits. Um, Four hundred seventy seven home runs. Uh, I mean, yeah, those are the type of numbers that. You know, definitely are going to get you in. You know that that's you know without a doubt. Um, like I said I think of of the guys on the list, he's the most likely to be a first ballot. Yeah, and as he aged, he just kept hitting, and he did well. And hitting, I don't and, know, and good and good defense at third yes. base. Yes, I mean, and in the last couple of years, he's kind of fallen off some. But man, he was. A, was he ever a great well, a defender? Fi- a five-time Gold Glove winner, uh, two-time Platinum Glove winner. Mm-hmm. Uh, how many guys have multiple Platinum Gloves? I, mean, I don't know. Um, uh, well, Alex Gordon, I believe, has a couple of them. Uh, I mean, it's it's not uh, it's not a common thing, anyway, to yeah. say the least. 
So, I don't know. I, I mean, as I said, I, I am biased on this. And just for, just for the way that he acted and the joy he brought to the game, he almost deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. Uh, he, uh, and if you are not very familiar with some of his antics or anything like that, I encourage you to just kind of look up some things on Adrian Beltre. You'll see it, a guy who hits home runs off his knee. Um, is always messing around with other people, trolling people, having yeah. fun. So, I mean, anyway. Cool. So let, let, let's – did you have anyone else on your no, list? No, I did not. Okay, let's recap real quick. So what we're saying is Adrian Beltre, for sure, Hall of Famer. Joe Maurer, for sure, Hall of Famer. Chase Utley, probably Hall of Famer. Dustin Pedroia may not be a Hall of Famer is what we're settling on. I, I that's That would kind of be my – my feelings there. And Rodney, that would kind of be the ranking I would put him in as well. Rodney from our out of the pen uh, baseball team may not be happy with us on that one. Oh, he might not. He might not be. <laughs> Sorry, Rodney. We still love you. So, um, yeah, guys. Uh, and, and obviously, there's still time for some, some more guys to make those to make that decisions to call it quits. I, I think this was a fun uh, discussion, Andy. So we need to be paying attention. If we get some more guys that decide that they just don't want to go out there and, and you know compete anymore, then we need to have another discussion about yeah. them as well because this was fun. Yeah, and it might be it might be fun to look at some just some regular or some guys who are still playing and ask it too. Yeah, and just sure. go back into Molina. <laughs> but that might be bad. So <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. All right. So. Um, so to wrap up to this this episode of the podcast, Andy, we actually have uh, an interview with Kansas City Royals pitcher Jake Newberry. He got yeah. his first uh, taste of the big leagues this year, being called up uh, in the you know the back half of the season, uh, you know helping trying to get a little bit more production out of that bullpen there in Kansas City. Yeah. Um, Jake is a guy that, you know, he's really become kind of a friend of out of the pin baseball. Yeah. Uh, I got to interview him and meet him, uh, in 2017, I was writing for a different site at the time. And, um, you know, he was in double a, he was leading the Texas league in home runs. Super, super nice guy, man. Just awesome kid. And, you know, what was cool about that is we were talking about, um, you know, had he you know been to Kauffman Stadium, had he been you know in Kansas City, all these different things. Um, you know, do you think about you know going out on that mound at the K? Um, and of course, you know, he was like, "I'm excited to, to hopefully get that chance." Yeah. Well, you know, before that article even came out, while I was finishing writing it, he actually like the day before it came out, he got called up to AAA in 2017. Um, so he was close. He was close. Um, Started 2018 back off in AA, yeah. uh, Northwest Arkansas. Performed well, moved up to Omaha again, and then got his chance. And I think he's going to be a guy, especially with the Royals needing to really try to get back to that dominant bullpen that got them to back-to-back World Series mm-hmm. and a championship in 2015. They're going to need that bullpen to be strong, and he's a guy that's going to be in that mix. Um, so we were lucky enough, I, I was able to – get on the phone with, with Jake and, and talk with him just about that experience of getting that call up to the big leagues. So we're going to leave our listeners uh, on this episode with that interview. But before we go over to it, um, any final thoughts that you want to throw out there before we, we roll on to the interview? Uh, 
I just think it's, it's an exciting off season, and I think you know it's it's. I really am interested in where some of this is going to go with uh, some of the different free agents, and uh, it's been good talking to you today, man. Yeah, man. I mean, it's always good. I'll be looking forward to it here in a couple of weeks as well. Um, you know, guys, like Andy said, there's going to be a lot of stuff that's getting ready to happen. You know, that you get around Thanksgiving, stuff starts to move a little yeah, bit in, in the hot stove. Uh, so stick with us, out of the pin uh, and where you can get, you know, the latest articles that we put up, the latest podcast from us and our affiliates. Um, yeah, just, just make sure you check us out. Check us out on our social media accounts, uh, Twitter, at OTP Baseball. That's O-T-P as in Paul Baseball. Uh, and just interact with us. Let us know what you want to hear on the show in, you know, coming up. You know, like I said, we're doing a show every other week, guys. So send us in your questions, your thoughts, whatever you think is a good um, you know, possible topic for the show. Because we always are trying to bring you baseball from a fan's perspective, guys. So we look forward to just talking about this great game with you as we move forward. Uh, enjoy this interview with Kansas City Royals pitcher Jake Newberry, and we will talk to you in a couple weeks. Yo, what's up? This is Avila, and you're listening to MTMV Sports. Yeah. Hey, guys, this is Eric with Out of the Pen Baseball. And with me on the MTMV Sports phone line is Kansas City Royals pitcher Jake Newberry. Jake, thanks for joining us on the Out of the Pin podcast, sir. Thank you for having me. Awesome, man. So I, I'm excited uh, for you know the people that may have read some of the work I've done in the past. They might know that I actually got to uh, meet up with you last year. And um, at the time, whenever I... Met up with you. You were at Double uh, A Northwest Arkansas and leading the Texas League in saves. I-, I would say a lot has happened between then and now, huh? Yeah, quite a bit has happened since then. <laughs> right. Well, I know one thing that you were kind of excited about that was kind of a secret at that time. Uh, you told me you were getting ready to uh, propose to your then girlfriend and now fiance. So obviously, she said yes, right? She did say yes. Um, she we got engaged October twenty second of last year, um, and you know it's just it's been a great process, just kind of getting ready for the wedding. You know, doing the different things, kind of having you know she's letting me kind of have my input, which is nice because usually you know it, it's their wedding and right. the guys kind of sit there and say yes, you know, here and there. She's like you know really wants me to be included in it, which is really nice. So I have a lot to say with what goes on there. Awesome, awesome. Well, congratulations on that, man. I know I've been married for a minute, man, and it's a it's a fun ride. So thank you very much. I appreciate it. <laughs> oh, for sure, for sure. And then uh, also another you know pretty cool thing, um, like a day or so before my article actually came out after interviewing you, was that you got called up to Triple A. Um, so just kind of talk about that experience. What what was it like going from that Double A level up to Triple A? Um, it was, and, and yeah, it did actually. I wasn't really expecting it when it happened. Um, it was kind of, we were on the road and we were leaving the next day, or I mean that night after the game, and I got called up. I had to drive the next day, we had an off day. I had to drive the next day, once we got back to Northwest, I had to pack all my stuff and drive to Omaha. Um, 
I stayed the night in Omaha. That was Monday. And then the next day, Tuesday, I flew to meet the team in Memphis, Tennessee. That's where they were. So it, it, I didn't really just go straight there. They had an off day, which is why I got to drive, which was nice. I, you know, I had my car there for the last month and just drove home from there. So it was awesome. Cool. So was there a, a noticeable difference in that level of competition going uh, just, you know, that one little step from double A up to triple A? Oh yeah, I I uh, you know I notice a lot that the zone's a little bit smaller, and it's not so much just the umpires make it smaller. It's kind of how the batter perceives it to. You know, they don't take those pitches that are borderline. They don't swing at them. You know, with two strikes or so. It's a lot different up there as far as getting outs when you know in the zone. Gotcha, um, and then so. Fast forward a little bit, we come into 2018, and you started the year back with the Naturals, correct? Yes, I did. Okay, did you expect that to happen, or did you think that you would uh, be staying in Omaha? Um, I didn't. I didn't expect it. I guess you can say, um, but I kind of had it like in the back of my mind that what if, and so when we were when I was looking for places, you know, for the season was coming up for spring training was done. I was looking at both places where I can stay just in case. And, you know, they called me in the day before they had made the roster announcements and just said that they're sending me there, that it had nothing to do with my performance. It had nothing to do with what I did years prior. It just has to do with they signed a couple, you know, older guys that they're going to give a chance and, you know, don't let it affect me. And I was, I wouldn't say it affected me. It kind of was like, wow, you know, um, kind of chip on the shoulder type. It's like, okay, well, now nothing I can do about it. Can't be mad about it because, you know, if I get mad about it, it's just going to make my performance decline. Right. So, you know, I said I'm just going to go out there and try and do build upon what I did year prior, and I think that's kind of what motivated me. Definitely, definitely. And then I know um, when, we talk, when we were able to talk last year, you know, at that time uh, you had not uh, been to a game at the K or anything like that. Um, but stuff has changed now. You've not only been to a game, you've been in a game at Kauffman Stadium, uh, getting called up uh, this year by the Royals. Um, man, first of all, that that's just really exciting. I think you know that me personally, I was pulling for you to, to get that call up, and with that kind of, you know, I know Dayton Moore doesn't really want to call it a necessarily a, a rebuild, but obviously there's... Um, some growth, we'll say, going on within the organization right now, and there was opportunities there, and you took advantage of that, and and, and your play at, in the minors helped elevate you up to that highest level. Um, just take us through getting that call up, saying that hey, we need you in Kansas City, and, and just that whole experience. Oh, um, it was very unexpected, actually. You know, my. Uh... My fiance, we were talking about it like the week before, and it was funny. You know, it was kind of just between me and her, and she was messing around with me like, oh, she was. we were in Omaha, and she was like, oh, this is the last time you're going to be on this field, isn't it? Because we were going on the road the next day. And I was like, yeah, that would be cool, wouldn't it? And then, you know, two days later, I we had an off day, and so the day after that, I got called up, and I was kind of like, whoa, how, how did she know that in a way? You know, it's kind of freaked me out for a second, but... uh <laughs> 
it was an amazing experience. They were in Chicago, so I met them there on a Saturday. It was there Saturday, Sunday in Chicago, didn't pitch, and then we went and traveled to Tampa Bay, and that's where I made my debut on that Monday, the 20th. Awesome. So um, so just talk about that debut. I mean, what was it like uh, whenever you had to trot out to that mound? Um, it was mixed emotions. I wasn't as nervous as I thought I was going to be. Okay. Uh, it kind of helped being, you know, in Tampa Bay, they don't get 40,000 fans every game. Right. Um, so that, that helped a little bit, having a, you know, a little bit of fans there that just not just jumping down your throat. And on another note, it was we were down, I think, or up one nothing uh, when I came in in the sixth. So it was kind of, you know, soak in the moment, but it's there's still business to be done. You know, they're calling you into this game. Not this isn't necessarily just for your debut. This is to keep the team in the game. So I did. I, that was my mindset. Was you know perform first, and then when I was done, it was okay. Now take a step, you know, seat back and kind of enjoy the moment. Definitely, definitely. Um, so, yeah, I got I got to ask because yeah, I've went to several games in Kansas City at, at Kauffman Stadium, and I told you, you know, last year that you know I might be a little bit biased, but I honestly felt like it's one of the best major league stadiums around. What well, what was your thoughts of Kauffman Stadium? It was huge. Um, I didn't expect to, you know, when you're driving by it on the 70, you don't think that that stadium is that big on the inside because um, it's just kind of a dome almost, the way the top of it comes by home plate, behind home plate. Right. So when you're in there and you're standing on the field, you're just, it's amazing how big it really is in there. And You know, I, I like it too because I feel like the fans are on top of you. You know, that's kind of helped us in a way. It's our aid because it just makes it that much louder. Um, but like the stadium itself is unique. You have the waterfall and you have the, the water that shoots up when you hit home runs and, you know, it's very fan interactive. Yeah, definitely. And, um, you know, I think, you know, one of the cool things about, it, like you say, it's, it's all just the way it's built. You feel like you've got that interaction that you don't feel like separated really. There's not a bad seat there. Uh, so I know from a fan's perspective, um, you know, it's just a great place to see a game. And it looks like uh, players are having fun out there, uh, you know, just being a part of it. And that's one thing I think, you know, at least from me sitting here looking at it, I would think would had to have been kind of fun being in your shoes because, like, you know, the beginning of the year, obviously the first half of the season up leading up to the trade deadline and everything, it was it was a rough go for the Royals. Um battling with uh, Baltimore for, you know, kind of that last place spot in the American League. But the last couple months of the season, you guys were able to make a, a solid run. Um, just talk about that for just a second. You know, what was the the last little bit like in, in playing when there was, um, you know, just a, a, a bit of excitement, even though, you know, the playoffs obviously weren't going to happen. But I think it was a lot of positives going on. Yes, for sure. Um I think a lot of it is we all realize that you got to have fun, you know, good and taste the good and taste the bad and have fun. Uh, you know, that's kind of what you got to do, especially when you know things aren't going your way. You know, you can be upset and, you know, you can be mad, but at the end of the day, it's not really changing much if you don't work at it a little bit, you know. And as winning obviously is always better, it makes, you know, everybody in the clubhouse happy. So 
I think we just kind of got on that train where we enjoyed it so much and it's kind of, you know, you feed off that energy in a way and that momentum that we had. And I think that was kind of just how it caught the, you know, month of September. You know, all the young guys kind of came up and was giving new life to all the veterans. Yeah, and I think uh, one thing that you hit on there uh, was the the energy of it. And I think, uh, you know, a part of that is that Kansas City, you know, as good as like the Chiefs are doing right now and everything, it's still very much a baseball town. And, you know, with the success, you know, in 14 and 15 and and being kind of right in there, you know, in 2016, um, that excitement level and and that uh, from the fan standpoint, you know, was obviously very high. Uh, did you feel like um, the fans were having just as much fun with you guys here at the end of 2018 as you guys were having on the field? I believe so. Yeah, I mean, you know, especially when, like I said, we were winning. So that kind of that makes the fans something happy about. You know, it's it, it kind of gives them hope for next year coming up, or the year, even you know possibly the year after that good things are coming. It's just it, it's more experience now at this point that needs to be gained to understand, you know, the next step, which is playoffs and, you know, World Series, things of that nature. Um, but yeah, you got to be able to learn how to win before you just automatically start winning. I think that's kind of what making is making fans excited as well. It's kind of the process of, you know, how it was when Hosmer and Moose and, you know, Escobar and all those guys had came through. It's kind of like, you know, they're doing okay, and all of a sudden you see the growth that they've had, and now they're in the World Series competing in Game 7, you know, and then they go back the next year and win it. So you kind of see that growth of what they were and how they were to how they are now, and I think that's what gets fans excited, especially ending a season like that. Yeah, and I I think uh, one thing you always hear about uh, Royals fans is that uh, they embrace their players. Um, what, What kind of interaction did you have with, with fans while you were up this year? Oh, it was amazing. You know, they came out to everywhere. I actually had a a, a fan that went to my high school, graduated from the same high school as me. And uh, when we were in Cincinnati, I think it was. And I thought that was really cool. So, you know, there's still, and I think she was from Tennessee, to be honest, but she was there for, I think they're good friends with Brett Phillips. Okay. I was just like kind of like small worldish, you know. How there's a fan from that's a fan of Kansas City that went to my high school that's in Cincinnati. You know, it does. It's like how does that work in a way? Right. Yeah. That, that's crazy. That's really crazy. Um, you know, interesting that you mentioned uh, Brett Phillips. You know, obviously he came over to the organization uh, in that trade uh, with Milwaukee for uh, Moose. Um, but he's kind of a guy that's really endeared himself to a lot of fans. You know, he seems like he's genuinely out there having fun, um, and the kind of player that the, the Royals fan base likes to get behind. Can you, can you just tell us a little bit about him? I mean, obviously you guys are both, you know, kind of getting your feet wet together there. Um, what, what did you think of Brett Phillips? Oh, I love Brett. He's a, such a funny guy. He is, there's nothing but positivity that ever comes out of his mouth. You know, he's never sitting there being negative about anything, no matter what it is. And I think that kind of is what, what fans see that's, you know, it's not just on the field where he's not very negative. It's in the clubhouse, too, with everybody, all of his teammates. So I think that's what makes him such a likable, and, you know, that, that's just, you know, that's just makes him likable is that he is never negative, I guess you could say. Awesome, awesome. Well, I mean, one thing 
uh, that's pretty exciting is that, um, you know, if it's one thing that, you know, manager Ned Yost likes to do is he likes to work with young players and, and kind of develop you guys. Um, so I think, you know, he, you guys are in a good situation there. Is there any kind of insight? I mean, so a lot of, um, people kind of mumbling that, Hey, maybe this might be Ned's last year, uh, as far as managing, uh, anything you can tell us there? I have, I don't really look into that too much. I haven't, I haven't cared to look at it because, you know, right now he's the manager, so that's right. all I can control and that's all I know. Awesome. So, um, what goals do you have in place for 2019 or, or expectations are in place as, as a team? Um, well, obviously the first, ex- or not expectation, but the first goal is to break with the team out of camp, obviously. Um, and then from there, it's just kind of see how the year is going, depending on, you know, there's always something to work on. And, you know, this year was right. staying online a little bit longer, so I'm not pulling the ball. Um, you know, I don't know really what it's going to be at this point until I start throwing and feeling certain things on what I want to work on mechanically. Um, there's always, but like I said, there's always something. There's always, you know, you can be working on a pitch. Um, you're working on a front side issue. It's, it's little things, but you don't really know, you know, when you're out there competing on the field, what's going wrong. It's, it's tough to know right away. Um, so it's good to know, you know, in the figure something out during the off season, kind of to make a plan for how to fix it if it does awry. Awesome, awesome. So uh, you think the Royals can keep that? positive momentum going that yeah you guys built up here at the end of 2018 carry that over into 2019 oh for sure i don't see why not you know there's a lot of hype to be about it so i I think that it's just kind of it's a unity type thing you know we can't go out there and have you know individual thoughts i guess you could say it's gonna be you know with each other at all times um you know, there's going to be good and there's going to be bad, and that's just part of the game. Definitely. Well, hey, I, I'm excited to see what happens. I, I'm thinking, you know, you're going to get a whole year, you know, up there. Uh, you know, that's my expectations. Uh, I know uh, there's just a, I don't know, it's a lot of exciting things to watch with a lot of the young players, um, and it does kind of feel like when that wave of, like you said, Hosmer and Moose and those guys came up and and you got a couple of you know some really solid veteran leadership on the team as well with Gordo and Salvi and and Danny Duffy on the team um Whit Merrifield even though he's only been up for you know a couple of seasons he's uh he still seems very much like a leader on that team uh what's it like playing with some of those guys it's awesome you know and there was one thing where I said when I was talking to the guys that I really have the kind of you know when I got called up, I didn't real I didn't really feel like I was a rookie. You know, you know it was it was very. I got up there and it was like, no, you're you know you're a part of the team. Let's go win. And I think that's testament to those guys that you know they don't want to anybody to feel murder, you know, out of place. They want everybody to feel fresh and flush with the team and kind of the ground. You know, they come so you know, when the game bring whatever it is. But I think that's the big thing. Is they just—it's a lot about camaraderie with them. Awesome, awesome. 
we're going to be excited about that for sure. Um, hey, I've got a, uh, some some questions from the rest of the out of the pin baseball staff. You care if I kind of rapid rapid fire those at you real quick? Sure. Okay. Uh, let's see. Um, so Rodney asked, "What is the best minor league ballpark that you played in?" Probably Frisco Rough. Frisco. They uh they have like a they have a uh river now. Frisco was really nice, yeah. Okay, cool. Um, what kind of advice do you have for young players that are coming up? Um, and I guess that could be really you know high school, college, you know whatever. Um, one piece of advice I would give is trust yourself. You know, at the end of the day, you can do whatever you need to do out on, you know, in practice and at home and things of that nature. But at the end of the day, if you don't trust yourself and your abilities, you, you know, it doesn't work at all. You can work as hard as you want, but if you don't trust yourself, it's not going to produce. Awesome. Awesome. And then let's see. Oh, Here's another one from from Rodney. He would like to know if you would give a shout out to his son Brett. Of course, shout out Brett. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Well, hey uh, Jake, I don't want to take up uh, you know a whole lot of your time, man. We really appreciate you jumping on the phone line with us and being a part of the Out of the Pin uh, podcast. Um, and man, you know if you're open for it, we'd love to have you back on you know down the road. Of course, yeah, I'd love to be back on. Thank you for having me this time. I really appreciate, you know, keeping keeping up in a way. You know, it's not just one interview and it's like, oh, you know, done with them, move on. It's, you know, the mutual uh, want to do stuff together, which is nice. Oh, definitely. And you know that uh, out of the pin baseball and myself, you know, personally, we're definitely going to be pulling for you and supporting you. So you've got uh, some friends here anytime you want us. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. All right, guys. So that is Kansas City Royals pitcher Jake Newberry. Uh, catch him at you know a major league stadium near you next summer. So uh, we will um, be seeing you guys next time. Thanks. Want to stay up to date with Yankees baseball? Listen to Bronx Bombers Beat with me, Nate Shelton, every Monday, right here on MTMV. Sports fans rejoice. My team, my voice.